Welcome to the Sunday Brunch Podcast. This is episode two. On this episode, Dr. Marty is going to do a deep dive on the COVID vaccine. He's going to talk about the technology that made this vaccine possible and the difference between the COVID vaccine and vaccines that we've used in the past. We're also going to talk about the Texas governor's decision to no longer require masks. And we're going to talk a lot of technology news. Elon Musk's Neuralink project, Apple's announcement about augmented reality, and we're also going to chat a little bit about the Marvel Universe and the Royal Interview. All that and more coming up on the Sunday Brunch Podcast. Good morning. Welcome back to our Sunday Brunch Podcast with Matt and Marty. I am Marty, and I am joined by my festive uh, polo shirt-wearing co-host, Matt, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. Did, did you notice I have my brand new headphones? So, so I'm stepping up my uh, podcasting game. You are always snazzy. If nothing else, those headphones look awesome. You are very <laughs> serious now. I think the pros call them cans because they because they feel like I have like like tuna cans on the side of my head now. You kind of look like Princess Leia listening to music. <laughs> the, I can't tell if, if they have a brown kind of soft leather around them, but it it almost looks like your Princess Leia. Um, they they do. They, they have brown uh, Corinthian leather, um, yeah, but, but, yeah. but I don't think I would look good in a gold bikini like like uh, like a Carrie Fisher did. But so. she, but she did. But Carrie Fisher didn't have the the bagel hairdo when she was in the bikini. That she had the ringlets as if she were going to homecoming or something in the oh. long ponytail. You've got more of the traditional like the, the space balls. I think they had bagel <laughs> shape or something on the side of her head. It's like cinnamon rolls on the side. That's <laughs> <laughs> I am <laughs> looking forward to brunch. <laughs> so, so, so how has your week been, man? The week's been pretty good. It's been really busy. Today was a day where, I mean, like every day I have seven Zoom meetings and zero chance to get any work done. So, you know, today was a day when people were starting to mention like, oh, yeah, he's going to be at, you know, Marty's going to be at this meeting, he's going to be at this meeting. That's when he's going to present on this or that or the other I realized I haven't done any of these big projects because I'm so busy having meetings about doing these big projects. <laughs> so, so how is your presentation skills? Like, as people, I find that a lot of people are like, okay, how do you present? Which button do I push? Have, have you become a Jedi master at that yet? Um, I'm not the best with technology, but if it's a matter of Zoom presenting, that's really, yeah, that's my jam. I know what I'm doing in that space. I, I'm pretty comfortable doing an extemporaneous kind of just, okay, you know, jump up and down, <laughs> perform for them. And I can act like it was intentional and that's okay. I don't mind doing that. How about you? How are your presentation skills? Well, I, like we're, so so we use Google Meet primarily and then we do some Zoom. And have, have you presented on Google Meet yet? No, I use Jamboards when I'm Google on okay. Google Meet though. That makes me feel very hip. Yeah, I feel like I am like I present on it. I present the tab, and then I use that presenter view option. And I usually have music in my presentation. I I'm starting to think I have a career as a Zoom DJ or something. So because I because I try to make it very fancy, and I'm trying to get I try to use the controls, but. It's really frustrating now when I am seeing a presentation and I'm just participating when somebody's like, okay, so how do you show a PowerPoint or how do you show Google Slides? I'm like, oh my God, we've been doing this since March. Yeah. At this point, you should have learned how to do it, um, whatever your your medium of choice is. But I, 
yeah, I, I don't mind giving the presentations. I just need to get the content together for them. How has your week been? Uh, you know, it, it has been nuts. Um, I, you know, I was talking to somebody that, that uh, you know, I think, there, I think there was a lot of concern in March about, um, from some managers, about the productivity of their employees when they're working from home, right? And I think we're, you know, a friend of mine was making a comment that she's like, she's like, I think we're still in the, we're going to prove it stage that we can be productive. And, and I think, I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because I have to start my day at seven to prep for my first meeting at eight. And sometimes it's like, you know, eight to eight thirty meeting, eight thirty to nine. I mean, it's like every half hour. And then I have like an hour in between and like sometimes I have to turn my camera and mic off so I can go to the bathroom because it's just yeah. one right after another. And so and so to me, it's like on those eight or nine appointment days, I'm like, when do I fit in lunch and when do I actually respond back to these things? Yep. Yeah. It, you know, it brings us these new challenges. And I am very much looking forward to at least being able to go into the office one day a week. That would be nice. <laughs> right now we're not there yet, but one day, you know, and, and with all the care taken. Um, have you received your vaccine yet? No, I am. I am so low on the totem pole uh, in Colorado. I don't know if California does this, but we're having like one A, one B. Um, I'm think I'm in that list. That's like I think we're going to see. I, they're like we'll see a Labor Day. I mean, I I think yeah. we, we're, we are very 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 low because I think it's like I think the last one is. 50 it's like ages 16 to 50 or something like that i think that's the final one and so i I, i'm not anywhere close right now um i got my first dose last week actually and that was one of the big highlights of the week because when i went to go to my local pharmacy to get the vaccine my car battery died (gasps) and so then i got a ride and on the way there the car overheated It was, then we were, then we were not pulled over because we had already pulled over. An officer came up to the window and it's like, are you okay? And all I could do through my KN95 mask was violently nod, no, I'm not okay. I'm trying to get to my vaccination appointment. Uh, It was a really stressful morning. (laughs) But I got it. But I got it. (laughs) And And did you have any side effects? Yes, but they were very short-lived. So, the and they weren't too bad. The thing is, if you've had COVID before, then the first dose often I've heard will give you side effects. Whereas if you've never had COVID before, then the first dose usually doesn't give you much of a side effect, maybe a sore arm. But then the second time you feel more of the I'm sick for 24 hours kind of thing with a mild cold flu kind of thing. And so I felt like I had COVID again for about 24 hours um, a day after I got the vaccine. And then after that, it cleared up and it was really nothing. And even the the symptoms that I had, they weren't the severe symptoms at all. They were they were the oh, I feel like you know the Ellen achy back because it's a particular kind of achy back that Ellen validated. Um, <laughs> nobody believed that you could have an achy back until she said it, and then everyone's like, oh, you can have an achy back. Well, wow, I didn't know. So um, I, I had the Ellen achy back and stuff like that for about twenty four hours. And, and and did you go with Pfizer or Moderna? Which one did you end up doing? Uh, I had, I, I mean, I didn't choose. It was okay. Pfizer. Okay. But, you know, we're getting to that point now where you're going to have Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson. There's going to be a difference between the three. And people, you know, there, there's enough vaccine hesitancy and confusion and lack of clarity on which should 
person should get what for what reason, uh, that a lot of people are really unsure. Um, you know, the the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are very similar in everything that they do. It's two injections, either mRNA based, which is kind of like it's somewhat blueprinty in your cells. It's one of these things that's considered a part of genetic information that you make proteins out of. You make the spike protein out of it. Spike protein, you can tell from your immune system, is a foreign invader. You create all of these antibodies against it, and that's how the vaccine works. Um, some of these other vaccines in the past, they wouldn't use the genetic technology as much as they'd use like a dead virus. And they just inject that into you and let your immune system do its work. Um, for coronavirus, they didn't use the old techniques. They used new technologies. They used the mRNA or the Johnson & Johnson. They use another kind of technology called adenovirus technology. And they use a special kind of um, skeleton of a virus. And it's one that exists in nature, one that's not going to harm your body. But in the skeleton of a virus, they kind of engineer it and open it up and insert a strand of genetic information. Um, not mRNA, but DNA, and then they send that into the body. Well, that kind of a virus, uh, um, or that kind of a vaccine, rather, is more robust. Like, it doesn't need to be frozen or kept really, really cold. It it has more, I don't know, it just, it's more gritty. It's a more gritty kind of vaccine. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have the same... Uh, procedure. So the, the mRNA vaccines are two shots. The Johnson & Johnson vaccines, vaccine is one shot. The mRNA vaccines with two shots has like an efficacy of 95%. The Johnson & Johnson with one shot, I think was around 70 or so. Uh, and so it kind of depends on what your preference is, what's available. The Johnson & Johnson, because it's one shot, is going to be manufactured a lot. And they just teamed up with Merck, so they're going to be manufactured in mass amounts, I think. And I know shipments have started going out, certainly this week. I think even last week they started going out. So now we've got these choice, choices of vaccines. And I'm, I'm Pfizer, so I feel like I am, uh, you know, in, in, in good hands. But, you know, we don't have in the U.S., we didn't do the AstraZeneca one. That was a, a European effort, and that was a messy one. Germany especially became messy there. Then you get the, I think, there's Sinovax or something in China, and they have a lot of, certainly they have China, but I think a lot of the Middle East and Africa, and then there's um, Russia has one that they, <laughs> I think they called it Sputnik, just to refer to the fact that they were the first <laughs> again. <laughs> and I don't know what kind of efficacy is there, and because you know we don't have a really close relationship with with the Russian science reports or or what kind of effects it has on us, then we're kind of in the dark about that. Well, so I so I think this is really fascinating, and I think this week um, there was a lot of news about about Russian misinformation about the vaccines, um, and a lot of people were questioning if if the Johnson Johnson vaccine is as good as the others. And I I, I have a quick question for you, so. As a person that doesn't know a lot about this, I was—I guess I always assumed that like if one country said, hey, we've developed this vaccine, we would share that information with other countries. Uh, do you know, do you know much about that? Like, like, do, do, do we share this information for like, hey, this works, this should work for you? Like, I don't know if you could speak to that or if you're, there, or if you're, or if you're familiar so, with it. 
there should be a peer review process at an international level for some of this stuff. So like certainly Pfizer um, is really international. It's, it's used a lot in Europe. It's used in South America and North America and a lot of different countries. So there had to have been international partners in that. And they would have, governments all have their own review boards where they're going to have to look at the actual data that's presented them by those, those companies that want to sell their vaccines there. In terms of how much technology sharing actually went on, I think the spirit of science suggests that everybody should be sharing with each other. I don't think that was the reality, and this is speculative because I'm not in the middle of this kind of race, um, but I don't think it was in the spirit of sharing as much as it could have been. I think there was a lot of territory um, and territorialism that that people went through when they were making these things. So. I have friends in Europe that right around the time of March, so like a year ago, remember when we all went into lockdown almost exactly a year ago, um, they were in France, they're immunologists, they work with the same technologies that we, all immunologists were working with to come up with sequencing uh, for the vaccine. And I think the French government had asked a bunch of immunology labs to start you know, figuring out what kind of rapid as possible testing they could use to determine if somebody had a COVID virus in them or not. I mean, this is so long ago. Remember, we couldn't get a test here unless you were super special. Um, so a lot of countries around the world are doing this. So they tried contacting um, labs in China that reportedly had created these tests and there was zero communication coming out of China of sharing that information at that time. And so I don't know from then what kind of sharing had happened, but a lot of technologies were proprietary in the country that they were developed and used for markets rather than necessarily everybody. And, you know, it's, it's, it, was a, it was competitive. It was really competitive. I don't know if it's still like that, though. I, I thought that maybe there would be just this like wide open data sharing kind of model that, that, that everyone would have access to it kind of thing. There should be. Most most stuff is done like that in science. So, you know, most of it's peer reviewed and shared. They even came up with a, a neat system for things that were not entirely peer reviewed, but in the process of peer reviewed, but seemed like they were really beneficial studies that, that would be fast tracked so everybody could see them before that they were validated at that extra level so that you knew to like pay attention, but not not fully yet, like we weren't there in, in the confirmation stage. Um, so there, there is a vast network that is global around science, biomedical science, that's great and very, very open. The stuff that becomes money-oriented, it doesn't seem like it's as open. And I don't know what the vaccines, how that worked, though. So I, I should be careful. I just knew of some anecdotes here and there. And I don't think that... Um, I don't think that it was in the interest of something like Sputnik to share its exact, um, its exact formulations because it was out early, if if I remember correctly, it was out way earlier than a lot of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and also, so I mean, I like like I know that a lot of my friends' parents have gotten it in Colorado. We have a lot of seniors that have it. So, what's your opinion? Like, some of these people are going out and going, "I'm bulletproof." Like. I'm good now. I, I don't have to worry. What, what What is your thoughts about some of those people that are frankly just like, I'm going maskless, like, like I'm good now? Yeah, I, I don't. The, the answer to all of it is we still don't know. So it's a crappy way to find out that you weren't bulletproof because you got sick. 
you know, or if you gave it to lots of people. That's that's not like the outcome you want to play with. It, it's not like getting a scratch on your arm because it is pretty debilitating. And I mean, I I'm over it, but there's still some things that I notice from it that I wish weren't there. Many months later, and I know a lot of people like that. Um, you know, 95% means that 5% of the people who still were injected still get it. Uh, and going, going, I like, I know of anecdotes of people that have received both injections. I know of somebody who got severely ill. They were, they had pre-existing conditions, but were hospitalized. I know of people who should have had the antibodies theoretically and still got sick anyway. So, you know, it does happen. You, you're not bulletproof. It's not common, but I, I don't feel comfortable playing in that space. Well, it, it's speaking, I, I, I couldn't resist. So speaking of people that think they're bulletproof. So Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, uh, uh, large, large, large press conference today. I, if you watched any news, um, he lifted the mask mandate in Texas. Um, so I, I was dying to see, I was dying to hear what, what you got to say about that. <laughs> I find it irresponsible, really. I mean, the mask isn't a punishment. It's not like, yes, finally, like, cause the governor said, so therefore we don't have to do this anymore. It, it's like, it's, it's almost adolescent as a response to say, now there are people that have breathing problems and they're okay. There's some exceptions. I'll, I'll grant exceptions, but largely what does wearing a mask do that's so terrible to a person other than protect the people around them from their nasty COVID breath? Like, w w what is so terrible about it? And and I think that in, while we still have lots of people, and Texas has been pretty devastated at different points um, with, with the virus, how many more people need to die for a governor to say, you know, that everybody needs to wear a mask? I've heard the arguments around the economy before, but a mask doesn't change the economy. I, I, I don't understand that one. And so I find that to be more symbolic. I think it was politically um, really polarizing for a long time that the mask symbolized one of two types of people. And so this was a political move. But I think in terms of just common sense, it doesn't, it doesn't add up to me because the mask was quite protective and you know the, the recommendations now are because there's so many new variants that are out that are good at evading these types of immunity that we have been cultivating um, that you should wear two masks so it's literally double or nothing when you compare other states to texas yeah and and i mean and at the time of this podcast i i just ran some i just did a quick search so texas had 2.7 million cases and, and over forty-five thousand deaths recorded in their state yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible pandemic. I, I, we will be writing about this for a long time. It will affect our lives for a very long time. We all know people who've been affected or have had it ourselves. It's just, it's terrible. So I'm, I'm hoping that the politics of the polarization are going to slow down a bit. It, I'm disappointed with, with Abbott's I don't know, proclamation, mandate, removal. Uh, I think that's really irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was I was just shocked. And then um, several other cities weighed in and and they were still saying, no, 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 we, we still want you to wear masks for safety reasons. 
And uh, but but I I recently had a uh, my cousin went to go for work had to go visit Texas, and she was saying it was so startling to in Colorado where you know we are wearing masks we are hand sanitizer not everything is fully open. Uh, she was like when I went down to Texas she goes. I was the oddball. Like they're all looking at me, like, "What? Why are you wearing a mask in this meeting?" And she was like, "It was, it was like, it was like going to a different world, as if like COVID doesn't exist in Texas." And then when I saw this, I'm like, "I'm like, what is going on? What are they thinking?" Yeah, every place is very different. I think, like, there are people that have the luxury of not having to go into work still, and for them to not wear a mask when they go grocery shopping or whatever. They're entitled to feel like they, they want to feel comfortable. What about the person bagging your groceries who has no choice? They're, the mask doesn't protect them when they wear it. When the shopper wears the mask, they're protected because it really contains your own air. And I think that's what's really unfair. It's not like, well, if you want a mask so bad, you can wear it. It's your duty to protect other people from getting your spittle on them. Or airborne particles, right? I mean, I know I'm a spitter when I talk and I'm excited about something. So especially essential workers, it's really, really unfair to them uh, to have this extra burden. I mean, like, they're going to be um, disproportionately affected by that mandate, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was just, it was all over. And I mean, and, and understandably so. I mean, I mean, everyone's yeah. going like, Really, that 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 Texas and Texas has gone through a lot in the news in the past couple of weeks, and then to see this, it was like, what what is going on? So, I can only imagine. I can only imagine that Texans are tired. <laughs> well, I I did want to touch on uh, on speaking of sort of interesting news, um, Elon Musk, uh, which a person who I I don't like him as a person. Like he's one of those people that <laughs> grinds me. Um, yeah. You know, who, the, I think he's now a Texan, isn't he? I think Didn't he is. He move? I think he moved from my state to that state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like, he's like, I'm going to move. I, I think he was going to move the Tesla factory or something because he was mad about California taxes. Or yeah, something he, was, like he was angry about the taxes here. And, 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 I, and I wanted to mention because I think it's funny how people think he's like Tony Stark. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, he's not a Tony Stark. And, and I'm like, I, I like, I, and, and, and for those of you that don't know, Elon had kind of an interesting history. He was. He was with PayPal, and they and and quite famously, so they they, they booted him out. Like like they got him out of PayPal. Um, and I give the man a lot of credit for making electric cars cool. I mean, who who doesn't think Tesla is really cool? Um, but I I ran across this funny story, and and and, and I and I had to get the the Doctor Marty perspective on this. Was um, he has this he has this company called Neuralink. Um, and it's came out and, and he and quite famously put a chip in a pig's brain and they and, and they've been kind of uh, testing this out and, and with and I think with some good intention because um, because I guess this technology will help those that are paraplegic is is the theory behind his stuff. Now, I call him crazy Uncle e, uh, Elon because he has made a lot of promises like he talked about Tesla's we're going to have self-driving taxis. We haven't seen that. There's been delays with the commercial trucks. Um, he says we're going to have a space cruise ship that's going to take us to Mars. I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I wanted to get your perspective on this whole Neuralink thing. It's sort of been popping up and people are like, how close are we to becoming cyborgs? And I'm like, I think that's pretty far out. Yeah, I don't think we're close to becoming cyborgs. Um, but it is a fun idea. I, I, I could imagine you as Locutus. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'm not sure who I would be. Um, I'll have to think about them. You'd be a good locutus. So, you know, the, the, the thing with something like Neuralink is they've been able to do this kind of stuff for, I'd say, about 15 years. I remember studies coming out where there was somebody who lost the ability to move their arm and then with an implant, they were able to then move their arm and it wasn't tested on humans, but it was, you know, animal tests and you could, I think at some point it might've, they might've come up with something for a human. Um, From moving one's arm up and down in a simple motion to a cyborg is very very different like you're 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 not going to have full use of a limb the same way you're not going to have um fine motor control yet i don't think we're there uh certainly aren't going to let going to have someone else controlling your mind um our our brains are really complex and you're putting a chip on one very small area of your brain, which is localizing to one very particular part of your body, controlling it. And you have to know exactly where that is. Um, and you kind of guess like basics is like up, down, left, right. You know, it, you're, you're, you're not going to look pretty. I'd imagine with something like this, doing this in a, in a pig, uh, you know, their physiology, not their brains, but their physiology is, is in a lot of ways similar to humans. So they've been used for a long time as you're going up the, the scale to see how close we are to being able to market this for human trials. Um, but uh, Elon Musk is nothing if not bold. He, he does stuff that is worth trying to see if it's going to get there. The notion that this could be used for paraplegics or people who had um, lost the use of, of a particular limb, that's been around for a long time. People have been talking about this, that he understands how to be a businessman about it and to turn it into a product and going through all of that. Yeah, he's he's got a bold agenda, and I think that that's cool. Um, I think the criticism is that a lot of it's theatrics because if you say – uh, control things with your mind, you know, watch what happens. There was a silly game that had come out maybe seven or eight years ago where it's based on EEG technology, which isn't all that different than what the Neuralink technology is using either. EEG, you're kind of getting the echoes of the brain activity through your skull and on your skin, but, you know, you use electrodes to get that, and you get a readout on some screen. Okay, so imagine doing that, wearing a special simplified headband, and from those readouts on the screen, you can move uh, a metal ball with your mind by controlling one of four magnets based on where you emphasize the left side, the right side, the front or the back, and you're pitted against another person who has the same headset on, and the two of you are trying to push this metal ball that's floating with magnets against each other in some kind of goal. I don't remember what the game is called. It is clunky. I do think I remember seeing it. I I might have even tried it. Um, And everyone's talking about, oh, you can move things with your mind, you know, like you're suddenly Luke Skywalker. Um, no, it's this little tiny black, or black, this little tiny like silver metal bead thing that you move back and forth. That is not, it's not pretty. It's very, very clunky and ugly when you do it. So, um, that being said, there's this era of 
theatrics around any kind of neural advance, which is cool because it has a lot of potential. But we're very, very, very far from it getting to anything complex still. We're still in the basic moving things in one direction. As far as I know, it's been a while. Yeah, I think that game, because uh, I was just looking up, were you thinking the Mindflex dual game? Oh my gosh. The Mindflex is a way, um, I'm seeing it right now, is way nicer than the game that I knew. <laughs> um, this is already, you can tell this has gone through product testing and customer uh, feedback. <laughs> On Amazon, it's almost $300, the Mindflex uh. dual game. <laughs> I think they, it looks like they're, that version, it looks like they're trying to make for people who are worried about um, like Sudoku kind of things that they're, that they're keeping their brains active so that they're using it in all kinds of weird mousetrap kind of contraptions. Uh, this one was much simpler. Do you remember the game Crossfire when we were kids? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get like, like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like this little, we're, we're making motions if you can all see. You, you shoot <laughs> an audio podcast. These, these little like star spinny things across to move a metal ball into another's goal. It's very similar to Crossfire, the setup, except you're using just your head and there's some magnets around that move this thing very slowly across. Yeah. Yeah. I Did, did you ever own one? Did you ever buy one of these things? No. What I thought I should do at some point, I, I did, try, I know I tried this out somewhere. I wanted to use the technology um, for a study at some point. I remember talking about that because I had students that kept falling asleep so in class because it was getting dense. And so I thought if everybody wore a headset and we can get the data of everybody through different manipulations, what would it look like if we just changed the lighting level in the class or if we just changed the time of day that we taught it or if we just changed... Um, uh, like if it were subject matter days, days of the week, patterns and any of these things to figure out what kind of attention am I getting from students without a self-report, but getting biological data from it. Uh, and they were trying, they were involved in studies like that. I don't think they ever went anywhere because the technology wasn't sensitive enough like laboratory-grade equipment was. Well, my, my Achilles heel was when, and, and there, might be, there might be people on who might be listening that have never seen this, but overhead projectors. So, <laughs> so it was like, if, for, if you Google it, you'll see it, but... I'm sure students these days that all have projectors, but uh, they're connected to computers. But back in the day, um, and, and and I'm sure you remember these. It was like a it was it was a glass box, and they would um, professors would like write on this glass box, and it would then through mirrors project it onto a screen. Um, and then a lot of times teachers would like copy a piece of paper on this transparent thing, and then they made transparent calculators. But inevitably, it would be an eight o'clock class. All the lights would go off. You would have this overhead projector with this humming fan and the teacher talking quietly, and I would be out. Like, I would pass out and fall asleep anytime time the overhead got powered up. <laughs> and they used Red Sharpie all the time yeah. when they were writing on it. And they'd be like, where's that transparency? Where's that transparency? <laughs> when they were looking for the one sheet that had their notes from something else. And... It made me a good note taker, but everything you just talked about and suffering through that, it, you brought me back, man. <laughs> that was so what it was like with the opening. I had those through through a chunk of college, actually. By the time you were in school, you're a little bit younger than me. They did you have just powerpoints or the overheads were still there, but um, a lot of like a lot of computer class they they had projectors. I mean, and the projectors back then were like these. 
I mean, I want to say that, that, that they were massive and they were extremely expensive. Uh, but for a lot of like computer stuff, they, they always use projectors. But I just remember you would have some teachers who would fire up that old overhead and they'd have like a file folder <laughs> of all their transparencies would pull it out. And it was just like, you are killing me. And math teachers loved them. So if oh, there was yeah. any math class, they would always pull the overhead out. It was just like, oh, oh crap. With Greek letters yet. They would, they would have their Greek letters in there. Okay. So fast forward to now. When Apple makes this announcement that there's this new mixed reality, is it goggles that are coming out? Yeah, so so there so there was a little bit of news, um, and it's not new. It's been it's been rumored. Um, so it sort of goes back. I believe it was there was one year uh, glasses manufacturer. I think it was Zeiss there, that that makes just glass for glasses. Um, there was some rumors about Apple working with them and, and creating Apple glasses. Um, and this particular vendor was going to go, I think it was CIS, uh, to the, to, no, no, to CES, not C, CIS, CES, um, was going to go to the Consumer Electronics Show or something like that. And they pulled out at the last minute and they didn't want any conversation. And Apple is a very secretive company. They, they really don't want, a, a, you know, a whole lot of conversation. Um, about new products rolling out, and, and, and for good reason, because there's a lot of competition out there. So so there has been this long-awaited, are the Apple glasses going to come out? There was also um, a lot of discussion in the news about um, some missteps by auto manufacturers about the Apple car. But um, there, th it sounds like in 2022, we are going to see the Apple glasses come out, um, which... And, and what they're saying is this is going to be augmented reality, not virtual reality. So if you don't know the difference between the two, virtual reality is you're just looking at a computer screen and um, you can't see anything else except for what the computer is projecting. Augmented reality is like if you have a pair of glasses, you would still see the real world, but it would be augmented by a notification uh, that a text message has popped up or one of the concepts that that, that came out was um, if your LinkedIn profile was was up, you'd be walking down the street and you'd be like, "Hey, John Smith," you know, and his profile would come up, and you'd be like, "Cause you know, if you're if you have a hard time like me remembering somebody's name, it would look at him and go, "Oh, that's John," and you know, you know, how how's everything going at Comcast or or, or wherever they work? So, and it sounds like we're we could actually see see a viable product, which has caused a lot of interesting uh, uh, news because people are like. So is this sort of the master plan that the Apple Watch and the phone, um, all these things are going to sort of work together in this ecosystem where you can have these glasses and, and sort of have these screens? So I thought it was a really fascinating thing. I mean, I, you and I have been wearing glasses for a long time. I've been wearing glasses since I think like my sixth grade. Um, and and Google Glass, like Google had played with Google Glass for a while and there was a creepiness factor because it could record I video. I remember, I remember that. And and Amazon has a pair of frames with Alexa built in, but it doesn't change. It just is Alexa strapped inside your face. But would, 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 you, would you want something like this that has a screen close to your eyes? <laughs> would I want Alexa strapped inside my face? Um, you know, I... I I'm not really big with new stuff until everybody else has done it first. Yeah. And so I kind of want to see what it's like for other people. To, it took me a while to get a smartphone. Uh, <laughs> so even that, I feel like someone's grandparent, you know? Um, I, I would want to wait and see first. It sounds really cool. It does sound really cool. Uh, 
for augmented reality, there's such a big range, isn't there, about what it could actually be that mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what to imagine. So in one sense, I'm a little like, do I want my privacy invaded? Because if someone can see me on the street and be like, oh, that's so-and-so, and, you know, from, from his LinkedIn profile, and I know what his current heart rate is now, and, oh, I can see where the blood is in his body, and, like, I, there, I don't know where those lines are, and I don't want to be science fiction-y about it, um, but that's a lot of data, yeah, and it's a lot of data that's accessible to lots of different people. Uh, what's So, you, I mean, you're more in the tech world, so you know the questions people are going to be asking about this that go beyond logistics, I think, and what kind of questions are people asking about this? Well, I think the big question in the tech world is, is this BS? I mean, uh, because we've we've been told like Microsoft has a product out there called HoloLens. Um, it's not new. It's been around for a while. Um, we've seen demos of this like helmet you put on your face and, and, and their idea, and it's very clunky. I mean, it's a big helmet. They've improved it. But their, but their thought was in like the commercial industry, um, there was a demo that was quite famous online about you would put this thing on and like a mechanic would look at like a jet engine and it would walk you through how to repair this jet engine. Or um, I know that even like in the medical world, they were saying, well, what if they could project a body and you could perform like a virtual surgery or there would be cameras in the operating room with robotic hands and a physician maybe in Europe could perform a surgery in the US. So they were trying to project this, this thing, but I haven't seen a viable product. Like I haven't seen it mass produced. There, um, it's so it's, so it's going like, to be yeah. It's going it's going to be more like uh, from a distance you can help someone put together an IKEA table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In <laughs> in I think it was like three or four years ago, a company called Magic Leap was saying uh, they put out this video and 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 I and this is why I say I think people call BS was you have these Magic Leap glasses on and they had this video of this whale jumping from a gym floor and crashing down and everyone think it was so realistic, they like step back, but we haven't seen it. I mean, it's cool technology. Um, and and I, think, I think there's a lot of opportunity for something like this in this space. And I think virtual reality, I thought it was a fad, but it's actually hanging around. There's a lot of gaming components to it. But but I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of in this wait and see, but I, I think Apple Apple is not a good... Um, front runner, like they like from a company perspective, they've never yeah. been one to be bleeding edge. They are always ones to wait and see what the market does, and then they yeah. produce a really well designed product. It's their design that's their strength. That's right. Right. That's right, right. Right. Okay. Going back to something, you made me think in my overly distractible brain. Um, you said it's not magic. Have you been watching Wandavision? So uh, my husband actually was like, uh, we we have a box. Um, from China, like a streaming box. And so uh, we get the uh, sort of the imports in from China. So we get to see a lot of this stuff really early. Um, and so uh, so we actually got to see Wonder Woman 84 early, which we could talk about that at some point. I did not particularly like Wonder Woman 84. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, I won't I love, it I love Kristen. I love Kristen Wiig. I loved uh, Wonder Wo- the first Wonder Woman, and I, yeah. I just did not like Wonder Woman A4. Anyway, um, all I'll say is hashtag monkey paw. Um, but uh, we started watching a couple episodes of WandaVision. It's weird. I mean, it, it, it is very weird. So um, I have to admit that as a little kid, I a little kid, up until about the age of 14, I collected comic books. 
I loved comic books. And like any good kid, um, the costumes of the crime fighters were the things that made me like them more than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And and who had the best costume? The Scarlet Witch had the best costume. She got to wear this amazing, fabulous red kind of tiara and had an awesome red cape and like red gloves and red boots and pink tights. And she looked like something must have been really cool about her just by the way she dressed. And her name was the Scarlet Witch. Um, and so when when Avengers came out and they had Elizabeth Olsen playing her, I was like, okay, this is clearly more palatable for uh, you know the, the modern generic audience. And look, it's fine. Call her by her first name. I don't care. Don't ruin the mystique for me. Um, and then WandaVision came out, and admittedly, I am too cheap to have Disney Plus, um, but I've been following it, and I finally got to see that they gave her like the costume again. And it made me so happy. I went back to my, I'd say more like 10 year old self, a nine year old self. Um, that was just mesmerized by the, like her, her amazing fabulousness. Well, I like, uh, so my favorite costume I think is Dr. Strange. Oh, that's another great one. I I, re- I really like it, but but my favorite Marvel character is not a superhero. It's it's a villain. I loved Hela, and and and, oh. and, and Ragnarok was my favorite. So I, good. I I didn't even watch the other Thor movies, but I watched Ragnarok because I don't like Thor, but I loved Ragnarok. <laughs> Ragnarok is so good. Taika Waititi so funny. Made such a good film. Um, Hela was an amazing character, um, and did you know that? The Scarlet Witch is going to be with Doctor Strange in his next movie. No, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're busy filming, but I think it's called Doctor Strange and something, the multiverse, blah, 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 blah Marvel, yada, 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 lots of confusing things. Um, but I think it's actually, there's a lot to do with the Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange. Ooh. So yeah, there's going to be two fabulous costumes that are going to be... Um, showcased and i'm going to be watching that for certain and by that point i'll be able to see it in a movie theater and i'm very excited about that (laughs) well and 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 so so i so i want to i want to ask you the avengers like where where do you stand on on the whole death of tony stark uh spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah that movie's been out so long i that shouldn't be a spoiler but uh how do you feel about how, how that sort of wrapped up um, I cried. <laughs> okay, actually, I have a more academic opinion about it, though, too. Um, when I was watching it, I, at the time, was, um, I think, being a little more analytical and a little bit more touchy about everything. I was a little annoyed with the messaging behind behind Marvel's idea of what of life worth living was and what value was. And so Tony Stark was this character who was kind of a jerk, I mean, there was Elon Musk. Um, no, he's, he's kind of kind of a jerk, but really, you know, talented and, and necessary for the world to keep on turning. And um, and he was going to keep fighting crime and making inventions because that's what he did. Um, and then when he finally had offspring, then it gave his life meaning. And so, okay, I got it. It's it's a common trope, and having kids does give a lot of people and adds a lot of meaning to a lot of people's lives. Um, noting that it doesn't, it's not the trick to everybody's life, but for a lot of people it is. It's great to have kids. When 
um, more spoiler alerts, when the Black Widow was deciding between the Black Widow and Hawkeye, who was going to sacrifice themselves for one of the Infinity Stones, um, the Black Widow kind of makes this decision based on the fact that Hawkeye has a family and she doesn't, that she should throw herself over the edge because he's got more to live for. I noticed that and I was like, mm, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> like, His family might be just as happy if he's gone. Like, We don't know that. It's true. But okay, because he has, quote unquote, he has the family. Therefore, he should live. And so she died because she didn't have a family. Um, Tony Stark, now making this decision in a split second, sacrifices himself to save the world because now he sees the value of having a family. And then the epilogue of the movie is that Captain America, super spoiler alert, goes back in time to live a more fulfilling life by meeting someone, getting married, and guess what? Having a family. So all of them very, very valid. I think having a family is really fulfilling. I love my family very much. Um, I don't have kids of my own. But uh, I also kind of took exception to that maybe once, maybe twice, but three very powerful scenes that defined the Avengers franchise were, were actively reminding us through the narrative that one's life was more valuable once they had family. And, and I found that to be a little off-putting because so many people don't have that same situation. And that really is a non sequitur. Like having a family is great. It has value if, to you, it's valuable. But objectively, to everybody else, does it have to mean your life is more valuable? So, okay, I have opinions, clearly, my, my academic ones. But, my, but my, I'm, a, I'm watching the movie as, as a viewer, and I'm in, I was crying like crazy when, when, when that happened. That, that last scene, oh, got me. How about you? I, so I, I think that's a very interesting observation because I, I picked up on that too, where it was like, man, they're really sending the family message home. I mean, and and I was like, I, and I didn't know if it was a comic book thing, like they have to do that. Um, but I, I the only thing I was disappointed in was uh, Captain Marvel. So I, I really, I was really hoping she would come and play a, bigger part in that final mm -hmm. battle scene um because yeah. i was hoping for a battle royale with with her and thanos and yeah. while while she does have a very spectacular entrance um it was more captain america picking up the hammer and captain yeah. america sort of save the day and i was really hoping for a a female superhero to destroy thanos like because yeah. i and i thought it was building up to that because thanos had had killed or had gone through all these like male characters or had really like knocked him down. I mean, all these like big ones that had been like the, the stars of the show, so to speak. And I was kind of hoping that Captain Marvel would come in and really just, just beat him down. And I thought that they really didn't utilize her character very well in that, in that final scene. Yeah, I think you're right. And I do think that, as you mentioned it, there is kind of a trope that was played to as a male is the one who will sacrifice themselves in a battle for others it, it, rather than, a female character. Mm. And I, I, you know, we can work on representation a little <laughs> bit. I, I mean, that's one of the things that made Wonder Woman so great. Yeah. The first one, I didn't see 84. Uh, but it, you know, it, it kind of changed the story a little bit. And I, Marvel is, it does have a lot of traditional parts to it, but they also are, 
they're doing a lot of cool cutting edge stuff. Hopefully the, the newer films, I, I do know for instance, that, um, more spoilers. Um, one of, one of, uh, the character's kids. So the Scarlet Witch's son, she's got two sons in the WandaVision. Okay. Yeah, one of them is is one of the first queer identifying characters that's really mainstream in Marvel, um, in the comics. So, okay, they're doing some cool stuff, and th- there's more to be done. There's a lot more to be done. But, yeah, in terms of representation, I, I, I felt for Avengers Dead, and it's... Yeah. <laughs> little little i loved it but it was there were moments i was like really it was heavy-handed <laughs> well i so i gotta ask you so like wandavision people are all over at twitter facebook talking about yeah. it uh mandalorian made a huge splash with season one and they followed up with season two which i thought season two was mediocre um i i'm sort of curious like during during this pandemic have you have you been mar- i know you mentioned uh last week that you've been watching prime and you've been enjoying prime but but what shows have you like like marathon through have you seen the boys on amazon prime no not yet oh violent and tough but very entertaining, very violent and gory and everything, but very entertaining. Um, what else did I like? I couldn't stop watching when it came out. <laughs> um, I, if you couldn't tell, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd. So, uh, I, I watched. I'm, I'm like you could tell. I'm embarrassed to talk about this. Um, the Magicians was one that I, I binge watched on Netflix. Uh, it is, it's good bingeable kind of material. Um, what else did I binge watch? I did binge watch Shit's Creek, although that's not as nerdy. It's just enjoyable. Um, I watch. I binge watch everything related to making clothing. So be it Project Runway, Next in Fashion, 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 Fashion. They have all these things that came out on every one of the networks. I like watching all that stuff. <laughs> How about you, Matt? I So I, I went through a weird phase where I wanted to go to series that are that's pretty old, that isn't new. I was like, I watched The Sopranos. My, my dad watched The Sopranos a little bit, and I caught a couple episodes, but I'm like, I really want to go back and, and watch this, you know, in, in its entirety and was completely blown away. And then I picked up um, Breaking Bad and oh, yeah. it, and I thought Sopranos was like one of the best written, best acted shows. And then I watched Breaking Bad and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Breaking Bad to me, to me is like right up there. And then, uh, you know, then it was like, oh, did you know, you know, because Amazon's algorithm that there's a show called Better Call Saul. Yeah, that's, that's the right. segue from it. And um, man, the the writing and the acting of Better Call Saul, I think, is is right in part. And so it's been kind of fun for me to kind of go back. And and I'm also I'm equally a nerd. Um, I, I decided to like I I, I I try to steer away from some of like the ultra. I mean, some of like the more of the horror shows. I mean, like I had, I had picked up a couple of the like more scary series. I, um, that the, not, uh, the haunting a Hill house. I picked oh, up no. a couple of those in like in October, but I also was like, I never finished Farscape, which was a sites. Oh it, yeah. That's yeah. A, 
my whole family watches that one actually. Yeah, and and that and that was a '90s science fiction show, and and I picked up I picked that up, and I was like, I watched bits and pieces, and so I've really enjoyed kind of going back and appreciating a lot of those series. Um, and in Better Call Saul, I mean, I that that is an incredible series. I mean, I, I still think Breaking Bad has an edge to it, but I mean, yeah. Better Call Saul. I I changed my ringtone to the Better Call Saul theme because I like it oh, so much. Funny. <laughs> Very funny. I mean, there's. There's nothing if not um, good media to be consuming oneself with during this time. That that has really been nice. I again looking forward to other things to do, but Netflix, Amazon. Um, I don't have Hulu or um, Disney Plus, but yeah, I'll I'll borrow borrow accounts or something from people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just another fifteen dollars, right? Like all these right, seem to be like another, fifty or twenty bucks. Right, right, right. Well, I found a way to watch. Um, local stations without having you know, still through my regular internet provider um, without having to pay for their TV package and I'm not sure exactly what kind of information is being stolen but I was able to watch I was able to watch the the royal interview the other day oh what'd you think I had never actually cared about anything royal I remember during the Princess Di years, I was very young. I remember when she died, and I remember everyone talked about it. I remember the Elton John song being repurposed for Princess Di from Marilyn Monroe, I think. Like, I remember all that. I remember there was a Princess Di beanie baby. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember all that stuff. But I didn't understand the why. And I never watched The Crown, which I think was the other thing that people had been doing. Um, Watching this was really interesting because... Um, I had never paid attention to anything that Meghan Markle had said. I knew that they had left and moved to Canada and then to California. Um, but I didn't, I just didn't care. Um, she is good. Uh, I don't know if it's because she has presence on camera or if it's because, um, I don't know. I don't know. But she's captivating and... Everything she says is just, it's kind of perfect. It's its like from start to beginning, or start to beginning, from start to finish, it's perfect. Um, she had a lot of, um, she had a lot of striking things to say that were like, you know, this kind of sucks. It kind of is terrible being in this position. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then when Harry, Prince Harry got on also, um, it was at that point, damning. So it was kind of, the case had been set up with Meghan Markle. And then Harry gets on and you're like, whoa, huh. Well, it seems like they, they mentioned this, this trade-off between that the British royal family relies upon a positive relationship with the tabloids to keep them relevant and keep their support by the people. And if that ever goes sour, then the royal family loses its power too. And so there's this this kind of symbiotic relationship between both of them, which I had never thought about before. And they mentioned this, and it really made me rethink of that that media leader relationship being one that is very corruptible and having a lot of power to it. So um, it's worth a watch. It is worth a watch. I did enjoy it. I thought it was very good. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. Did did, did your parents f- follow the whole when, when Princess Diana got married? Did your parents follow it at all? Um, I so when she got married, I was very young. I was like in the very early eighties, right? 
Yeah, and and like I I just remember my mom was obsessed with Princess Diana. And and I th- I think it was an age thing that she like because I, I, I think they're about a similar age when 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 Princess Diana got married and and I remember she taped it and woke up early because it was broadcast on it, it, I'm I'm pretty sure we didn't have the BBC back then but I but I think it was on s- some other channel that they broadcasted it and I just remember she was fascinated by Princess Diana and I think it was such an incredible story of because of what pr- Princess Diana was so anti-royal establishment and so i think that like my mom was just engrossed in the story and then all the wonderful work princess diana did and then um i remember the news clips of when she like ran a race with a bunch of kids which was very anti you know this this royal thing um and then when she died it was the same thing my mom tuned in to that funeral and um, it, and and yeah, the candle in the wind with Elton John. I mean, we went and bought four copies of that CD. I mean, it was wow. it, it was one of those. And um, I, I thought the interview, and I haven't finished the whole thing because I, I I had to pause and and, and jump onto something else. But um, I I still remember when um, the the scene with Harry uh, when the casket is is yes, is moving yes. through it. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that too. And and I was just like I and I mean and he has a very fascinating story. But I the the thing that that startled me the most was was the discussion. Uh, there was a lot of coverage on it today. Um, was the segment around uh, race of the child? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That that's it's really damning for the royal family. If in fact, or they call it the establishment or the institution they had a lot of names for this kind of other that 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 represented the the royal family but um it's it's pretty terrible yeah and and i when i was in london i got an opportunity to go to the princess diana there was there's a memorial garden um went there to go take a look at it and um i it, it, it was funny. So, so I'm, I'm, I was, I stayed in Kensington, and there's a, there's a beautiful park there. And, and when I checked in, they actually said it's a beautiful day. It's one of the few times in London where it's actually, you know, the sun shining. So go to the park and check it out. And so, it's so, it's it, so I went there to go, you know, check it out. Have and, and there was a beautiful place to grab some tea. So I really was was very much enjoying myself. And um, it, when I was there, like all of a sudden, like all of these like kids and adults go running and it was like it was like the scene in Jurassic Park when like the when they're like cruising through the oh, field and yeah. all the dinosaurs are running and I'm like yeah. I'm going to start going where where they're all going cuz I'm like it wasn't like it didn't feel dangerous it felt like they all wanted to go see something so so all of us all start running through this park and um there was a sort of a I don't know what you call it like a maroon helicopter and it, and it lands um, in this like fenced area where these huge mansions are like are like bordering the park, and um, it's it, so so all of us was I, I I think everyone was like oh is it is it a member of royalty and just like how all these people from London who were in this park were just waiting to see who was going to get off this helicopter. Um, 
Nobody got off the helicopter. Uh, it was like just the pilot. And then there was like a quick little discussion and they exchanged a velvet bag, which one of the people who was there was like, um, he, he's like, he's like, it's probably a Royal mail delivery or something like that, that they're transporting or something like that. But um, I, I think it, the Diana married, what was it? It was Prince Philip. I think it was right. Is it, is Wait, it? Pr- Diana, Di- I don't think Diana got remarried. No, she was- it's Prince Harry's dad's Prince Philip, right? Okay, so oh no, uh, Prince Charles. Prince Charles. So yeah. so so yeah. So but what was funny was um, we're all lining up, and uh, it, and I totally ruined the punchline of this. But um, when, when, when I got up there, they're like, "If it's Prince Charles, none of us care." <laughs> so, oh. It's so so it was kind of funny, but but just the but the attraction around the royal family and and what it is. I mean, I I thought the interview was just was just fascinating. But I think uh, she was extremely eloquent. I thought his presence was was incredible. And I I gotta give a shout out to Oprah. Um, She's good. I, I, I what a. I, the best way I could put it, I know you and I are in the emotional EQ space, and and we talk a lot about that professionally. But the way she can sort of dial into the emotional path so of where good. it's going, I was She's just so like, good. and her facial expression. I mean, it, there's like this moment, and then she she has a way of like extracting things out. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, oh yep. my gosh, Oprah, you, you you did a fantastic job. When when someone said something that was probably not the point of their comment, she'd be like, hold on a minute, <laughs> yeah. go back, yeah, say that again. What do you mean by like she was on it? She was really really good. Yeah, I agree. It was it. I didn't think I would enjoy watching the interview, or I, I thought it was like really I have to follow the royal family, but it was good. Yeah, I, I think it, I, and I think if if you have some time, please, you know, take some time to watch it. I mean, it, it is incredibly done, and 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 there is something about not only the best way I could put it is the genuine um, interaction. I don't know what it is, but it was like it seemed like. You were there, like there was a lot of presence. And when Oprah was interviewing her, like you could tell, like she, like there was a transparency, like like this is what we've been going through, and uh, we have this family, and like you could feel the emotion in the interview. It, it, it was great. I mean, I want to put it up there in like the top ten interviews I've seen. It was it was it's pretty very incredible. good, very good. Ah, so much to watch, so much work to do. I I don't <laughs> want to go back to work ever, um, but. Matt, I'm, yeah, life is beckoning. Yes, life is beckoning. And I just want to take a moment and just thank everyone for tuning into our podcast. Um, Again, we love doing this. We love talking about uh, topics that interest us, and we hope that they interest you. And if you want to reach out to this podcast, stay tuned. Um, Right after this episode, you will get our email address and our telephone number so you can leave us a voicemail. Um, We definitely want to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Sunday Brunch. Before we go, show some love to our podcast by leaving us a review. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can check out our website at sundaybrunchpodcast.org. You can also reach out to the podcast via email at thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. That email address again is thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, and this is for U.S. callers only, at area code 970-627-7445. Again, that phone number is 970-627-7445. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us next week.